What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition, or Monday edition, of the Athletic Hockey Show. I'm Haley Salvian, here without Ian Mendez today. I don't remember why he's not here, uh, but that doesn't really matter, because I'm here with uh, my friends Dom Luschichin and Sean Gentili. They're going to be here with me for the next hour. Uh, Dom, you've got the CN Tower in the background. You've got the Canada hat. You're wearing red. Sean, do you have a rendition of O Canada prepared for us today? <laughs> I do. I have, a, I have it queued up right here, actually. Yeah? You guys... Are you going to be on pitch and like actually not read the lyrics this time? It's going to be a little <laughs> bit better than the first time you did it, right? I want to know if I could just, whatever, use my version, my audio without cussences. Because I've said it last week or whatever. I'm saying it again. He was the problem. I did Prove great. Custance right blew it. <laughs> yeah, do Prove it. it right now. Do it. No, Chris, Chris has the audio. He can just, I don't like, look, I don't, I don't, I don't work for free. That was a special, that was a special, that was a special post Olympic dispensation. What if the anthem was sponsored by a, our friends at, our friends at Meridian? Yes. Yeah. Would that be fine? Wow. then? I think that again. I think that would be disrespectful. My my main goal coming into coming into that whole ordeal was to just not get not get screamed at. So I took off my hat. And I tried not to make a total joke of it. I did my best. I don't know if I don't know if Constance can say the same, but whatever. I'm a man of integrity. You guys were very clearly reading the lyrics off your computer screen. Um, I will neither confirm nor deny that. I had them on my screen because I didn't want to forget anything. Right. But I know the lyrics. Um, I'm, I'm aware of the change that happened a few years ago where uh, it was, what was it? What, what's the line? <laughs> they okay. made it more inclusive. They made it more yes. gender inclusive. I'm just, aware of all that. All right. That's I, great. Craig, I, Craig legitimately didn't know the words, though. Again, in, in fairness to the American duo, I probably wouldn't need the lyrics to the American anthem. So, yeah, I, just wouldn't, in case. I, I don't know if I do, honestly. Yeah. It's way more complicated. It's a longer it's, song. It's a very long song. That would have yeah. been even worse if you had me and Cousins trying to sing the the, the Star Spangled Banner because that's really it's like a notoriously tough song to sing. There's like key changes and stuff. Like we could yeah, pick... just ask the Heritage Classic anthem singer how tough it is to sing. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's let's do a play by play recap of the Heritage Classic. What happened in that yeah. game? We'll skirt <laughs> over the anthem. We're done talking about anthems, but I did want to talk to you guys about. The Heritage Classic, uh, Leafs lose the Sabres in front of the Darlings Canadian women's national team with their gold medals. Uh, Mary Philippe Poulin, another golden goal. She's the GOAT, et cetera, et cetera. Dom, what's the level of concern for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now? Uh, I saw a stat uh, posting on Instagram the other day of the Leafs goaltending since January 1st. Um, Mm -hmm. I think... Campbell has an 884 or something. Mrazek has an 882. And then I looked at the records of both those goalies, and I was a lot less concerned because I think Campbell is still 9-4-2. Mrazek was 8-4-0 or something. And considering they're getting 880 goaltending, I think you take that knowing they won't be giving you 880 goaltending forever. They have a problem in that right now, obviously, and that could completely derail any playoff chances they have, but we saw what Campbell can do at his best. And I think it's a matter of getting his confidence back up to that level and hoping it's good enough considering the rest of the team in front of him has usually played well enough. Is it like a safer bet that Jack Campbell's going to turn it around or would you rather they go and 
use some of their draft capital or other assets to get a goalie. I know Pierre Lebrun was immediately on the, I think they need to go and look at Marc-Andre Fleury, even though the Leafs are not on his list of teams he would like to go to. Like, is it a safer bet that Campbell's going to turn it around or that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to accept a trade to Toronto and, and be good for them? What's what's Fleury's safe percentage since January 1st? It's nearly as bad. He's so. <laughs> he's hit he's hit some kind of wall in the last in the last month because they don't want to play Lankin in. Right? Yeah, because Lankin is awful. Because Lankin's not good. Yeah. They've been rolling um, him out way, way, way too much. I mean, he's been he looks t- he looks tired. I don't know if that's I mean, whatever. Could be conserving energy, <laughs> maybe. I don't know, but I, I don't I'd be more worried about him now than I was, you know, yeah. six weeks ago. I think the one reason to get Flurry is that a goalie tandem of Campbell and Flurry has possibly the greatest vibes of uh any goaltending tandem in the league. Because Campbell is a golden retriever and Flurry is the greatest of all time in terms of vibes and being a good person. So just yeah. I think it's except like, for um, except for except for the years twenty ten to 2014 but i think he took that the vibes were off the vibes of him playing goalie (laughs) were off but he was still a great person probably during those times i can only imagine i have said this before and this is more about the flames but their backup dan vladar is like if he was in toronto it would be like jack campbell level like this is the nicest man i've ever seen he seems like a sweetie i have seen him in the hallway after losing a game being like hey how are you have a nice night. Like literally just will always say hello, always ask how your day is going. Like he introduced himself to the media on like day one. The other day when they lost, uh, who'd they lose to? Washington. And it was like Alex Ovechkin scores two goals. He ties the army Yager. And, and, you know, people are wondering, you know, what happened in this game? And like, can you take any positives? What happened? And, and he, <laughs> I forget exactly what he said, but it was something like, you know, you, you you know you go to bed tonight you shake it off and the sun rises again tomorrow and I was like oh my god <laughs> that's a growth <laughs> oh mindset we motivational yeah that's wow. like wow like if this was Leafs media this would be all over Twitter like Dan Vladar is the nicest person in the world I wanted to be my motivational coach Jack Campbell vibes but, okay um, my question about Campbell and and his mindset and what a again what a what a sweetie he is I are the it, I haven't seen me like I haven't seen Leafs media turn on him for that. I kind of figured that would turn into a thing at some point, like once the once the once the cart derailed a, l- a little bit, where it was like, is is Jack Campbell too nice for this? Like, is he is he is, <laughs> oh is, is, is he is he is he actually too nice of a guy? And it hasn't happened yet. That's good. Ha- can you imagine? Because I can only I, I I can picture that happening, and then I can picture them in the same like the next sentence saying, "So why the Leafs need to get Mark Andre Fleury?" <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I, I this, this he's is so nice because he's so nice. Yeah, this is a question for both of you guys. Like, I know you, I know you looked at Tom. You mentioned Campbell's record and Mrazek's record. A lot of that's come with Matthews and Marner in God mode and kind of yeah. not getting anything from from anybody else. Like the the, the Tavares line's been rough. I know, I know the I know the Engvall line's been productive, but they're not scoring goals. Like that's sort of the other. That's the other end of the teeter totter, right? Where, yes, you know, the team has been playing well in front of them, but a lot of that has to do with those two guys being insanely good since January first. And like, maybe that's just, that could be sustainable. Those guys are awesome, right? Maybe they just kind of carry that through to to the end. But I think that's kind of the concern whenever you look at, you know, the post January first splits across the board for them is is that they're really getting carried more by Matthews and Marner even than they have been in the past. I think 
when you just look at like one line teams don't make deep playoff runs uh, and you mm-hmm. can't really outscore your problems and the Leafs. I mean, they've done that in some games. Again, Dom was mentioning, you know, yes, this is their save percentage, but they haven't lost that many games. So the Leafs are finding ways to have that top line outscore the the issues that they're having in goal. But is that a realistic thing that you can have happen in the playoffs, especially when you look at how difficult the East is going to be to get out of? Like, you know, one mm-hmm. through eight, those teams are scary in their own ways. Um, you know, Sean and I were talking about this before we got on air. Like, the Eastern Conference is kind of a beast to get out of. You've got the haves and the have-nots, and you can't really have that many, uh, you know, deficiencies if you want to make it out of the conference and not having great goaltending and only having one productive line are kind of two big deficiencies. Yeah, and I think that's why it's always important to look at baselines for every mm-hmm. player and what you can realistically expect from them. Matthews and Marner, two of the best players in the league. Matthews is challenging McDavid right now for best player in the league with how well he's scoring goals and how well he's playing defense. But they probably aren't as good as they have been since January 1st. If you just look at their baseline, they're playing a bit over their heads. The goalies are playing well below what you'd expect from them. And then the second line has Tavares and Nylander. You expect them to be a lot better than they are. So you kind of just hope all those pieces can come together at once because when they do, the Leafs are one of the scariest teams in the East. It's just that there's a lot of times where one of those pieces sort of comes undone and it sort of looks like a deficiency. I don't think the Leafs are a one-line team, but they're sort of just playing like one right now. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a thing where they actually might need another forward because their problems in past playoffs have been scoring goals. Mm -hmm and not defense or goaltending, or maybe that's a thing where they know their forwards are deep, they know they can be better in the playoffs, and they have to shore up on goaltending and defense because it's a legitimate problem over the last two months. Wait, you're actually not, you're actually not allowed to say that teams that are deep at forward could add another forward. That's not something you, you get yelled at for saying that in these yeah. parts, I think. I, I feel like every team's like, yeah, they probably need another defenseman. No one says that about Florida, <laughs> who is a, a one-pairing team. Um, and I don't think is as deep as some of the other contenders, but because their forwards are probably the deepest in the league, it sort of gets glossed over. How are they going to weather the loss of Austin Matthews for 10 or 15 games with the suspension coming up? That's oh, just come an on. Of, that's, I'm that's hosting today. Sa- that's not how I was going to throw the question. Pure savagery oh by, by, by Rasmus Dahlin. I I saw someone, I think, post like a highlight reel of past cross checks of the head that just got a $5,000 fine. The Chara one on Gallagher. Did you see that one? I don't know if he oversold it, but that dude's head snapped back. It could have been like a it could have been like a supercut of Mark Stahl against Sidney Crosby in like the 2013 yeah. playoffs still. Like here's the thing, like that play should be suspended. It has n- never been suspended for before. So it'd be it'd be really funny if they suspended Matthews for it. Uh, oh, he's getting suspended for it. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Well, I mean, does Matthews cross-check him in the head if the original penalty is called? Doesn't matter. I mean, still he's still going to get he suspended. Still he still cross-checked a guy in the head. I'm just saying, like, maybe you call the original penalty that happened on that play. In-person hearing for Austin Matthews, 10 games. That was phone. 10 games for Austin Matthews. What did you say, Dom? I thought it was a phone hearing. It is a phone hearing. Yeah. He's just being it should, I'm saying it, I'm saying it should be an in-person hearing, and he should get between 10 and 15 games. You'd really talk about a good American boy like that? 
Yeah, what are you talking? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? He doesn't play for the Coyotes yet. It's not twenty twenty yet. Uh, Listen, by the time it's he's his up for UFA, the Coyotes won't be in Arizona anymore. It won't be a problem. No, they'll still be Do playing. Do we in really a- see Austin Matthews being okay with playing in a college arena <laughs> yeah, in the middle no. of nowhere? Like he's on the cover like GQ and stuff, and he's going to go and play in a college rink. He didn't even want to do that as a as a teen. He went to Switzerland. <laughs> his goal, his goal since he was a little kid, has been to play in a ring that looks like it's attached to a mall. Yeah, that's what he, that's what he's always said that he that he's wanted. Yes, most personal <laughs> friend. All right, we're moving on from the Leafs. You're going off the rails. What did you expect from us? Come on. I know. This was a mistake. the power rankings? (laughs) (laughs) They're never on top. She may not have. I I don't don't want to make any assumptions there. I don't read the power power rankings. rankings. No, I read the comment section. I like make my coffee on Friday mornings and I go right to the comments. And then I screenshot the really mean ones to make sure Sean saw them. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a really good friend right there. I I had someone yesterday tweet, how dare I? Put the Canes third instead of second or first. I had them ahead of you this week, so I got out. Ooh. I got out in front of it early and was like, second or third. Like I had him second. It's the other guy. Unreal. I feel like there's a lot to unpack there, but we're gonna move, we're gonna skirt right over the Canes, which might upset some people. <laughs> That's okay. Sarah Sivian has her own episode of the show. She I feel can like, talk about the Carolina Hurricanes on Wednesday on the round I just table. Feel like, I feel like nobody talks about the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. You know? Right. I think my favorite <laughs> my favorite running bit is taking the screenshot of Sarah's column oh, she very, wrote and just funny. like scratching over it and like writing little things in it instead. It's really stupid. But I have a lot of fun with it. She might big ups, me big for ups, it. Eric Tulski. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, we love Eric. We love Sarah. We love the Canes. Yeah. It's just, it's just a funny bit. I just think yeah. they're the second best team in the league. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Who is the best team in the league? Are we all in agreement that it's Colorado right now? Or do we you guys both have, have like both Florida had, up there? We both had Florida at number one. We both had week. Florida. I think it's, I think it's close between the two. I'd still lean towards Colorado, mm-hmm. especially with the way Kemper's playing. Recently, he's been good. He's been good yeah. for for. He shut the flames out last night, and they haven't mm-hmm. been shut out all season. He looked it was like forty six saves, forty six. Yeah, yeah. He had a really good game, and he got pulled last time they played in against the Flames. He got pulled in the second period, and the backup had to come in, but he looked really solid. He's it, vengeance. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to look back on that. <laughs> like, did anyone expect their goalie picture to be this good when you know it's the the Seattle expansion's coming and then all of a sudden you know Philip Grubauer is signing with Seattle and the Avs are like oh crap we need a goaltender no Dom thought they lost the good goalie <laughs> uh did I have them I don't I remember where I had them um I just know Kemper was injured a lot and they paid a lot to get him the package the package that they gave up for him made me nervous yeah. at, the, at that point like I felt like it was kind of an overpay but also like Back then, in the context of what was happening in, in the goaltender market, I saw, I understood why they did what they did because the the merry-go-round was spinning, right? And, and, and someone they were last. and they were they needed to make a move or else or else they were going to pull in the bag. So yeah. I get why they did what they did, even though it felt like a lot, and it's paid off because he's been really good for a few months now. Paid off handsomely, considering how well the other guys doing in Seattle mm-hmm. was the literal worst goalie mm-hmm. in the league after being a Bezna nominee last year. Wild. Interesting turn of events. 
Um, so one of the teams you just mentioned there, you know, I guess Sean thinks Florida's the best team. Dom thinks Colorado's the best team. But I want to stick with the Panthers for a minute, Dom. You've had your Huberto Hart candidate story come out on Thursday. We did chat with Shayna about the process you guys were going through to work on that story last Monday. And she talked about why she didn't think Huberto was a, you know, the Hart Trophy candidate. You guys went into it. It was a great piece. Can you maybe just walk us through the piece and what you guys kind of ended up on? Like, is Jonathan Huberto a legitimate Hart Trophy candidate or not? Yeah, I I can see why people do think so, because they have always looked at the points leaderboard, and that is all they've ever done. And there's a... People want a war stat, and for some reason they treat points like it is one, and then they sort of like gloss over at plus minus, like, oh, he's plus 23, it means he's good at defense, everything's all rosy and fine, and that's sort of how a lot of awards have been given out in the past, and... Huberto is having an incredible offensive season, but I think there's two factors that don't necessarily disqualify him in my mind, but don't make him one of the front runners or honestly someone I'm really considering all that much. I think his defensive numbers are a legitimate problem in terms of his candidacy for it. I don't think it takes away from him being an elite player. I think he's one of the best wingers in the league, but the style of game that he has, he's a rush-oriented winger. He blows the zone early a lot. He is the last man back a lot. And I'm not a dinosaur. I have zero problem with that. I love that he focuses on offense, and it works for the Panthers. He is putting up points at an absurd rate, and I don't think there's anything... There's There's no issue with him focusing solely on offense. It's just that... In terms of total value, you still have to consider that there's some defensive issues and there's a lot of times where Huberto looks a bit disengaged in his own zone and always looking to turn the play the other way. And I think that's by design. But when you also factor in his usage, where he's playing secondary competition, he's behind Alexander Barkov's line on the depth chart, it makes it a bit easier to cheat for offense a bit and focus solely on that because he's not facing the toughest matchups every night. Barkov is, and Barkov's own scoring rate isn't that far off from Huberto's. And I think the biggest thing that has people putting Huberto over Barkov is that Barkov missed, I think, 15 or so games, something like that. And because Florida is one of the top teams in the league, someone has to be an MVP from that team. And if Barkov missed time and they didn't really miss a beat, then it's got to be Huberto, but I don't think he's even the most important forward on the team. And to be honest, I don't know if he is even playing that much better than Ekblad, who's doing the same thing as Barkov, taking down tough minutes in a shutdown role on the first pair and putting up some strong offensive numbers as a defenseman. Right. I I wonder, and I think that's something that, um, do people just look at the standings and assume that Huberto is the guy on Florida and not recognize that he is on the second line. Like we can probably call it a one, a one B kind of thing that's happening in Florida right now. And their forward group is that deep. But I thought, I mean, I always thought Huberto was a really good skilled winger, but Ekblad seems to be the guy on that team that drives the bus Mm. more often. I think it's just, it's always, it's always, Dom, you mentioned this. I think people are the most underrated player in the league. 
I, I, it's I'm just joking. a bummer. It's just a bummer that Pronman <laughs> was correct about it. But honestly, um, uh, I think people fundamentally struggle with the idea that a team can be as good as the Panthers and not have a top three hard candidate. Let's say, yeah. Like you look at you look at the standings, you look at the points. Typically, one follows the other, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you have a great team and you have a guy who's top five in scoring or whatever, they check all the boxes. And in Huberto's case, like that's a that's an open question, and I think people have trouble parsing that because that's just that's how your brain finds order to this to, to this sort of stuff. Like a word voting is hard; it's really yeah. hard, and, and it's and, it, and, it, and it's getting harder every every single year. It's a brutal agonize over it. Oh my god! I mean, I mean and, and also <laughs> absolutely. And then yeah. we see, and we kind of have a replay in its own way of what happened with Drysaddle a couple years ago, where you have a player who is not the best guy on his own team. I mean, we can safely say that McDavid is better than Drysaddle, and Barkov is better than Uberdo. That's not you know, mm-hmm. we're, not, we're not making leaps there. But then the calculus gets a little bit more comp- gets a little bit more complicated, and people lose their minds over it because it is it's stressful. It's 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 a tough <laughs> thing to have to parse. Was that yeah. like two years ago when Panarin was really good and Pasternak was really good, but people were like, "Well, the and Rangers." McKinnon. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, I think I had, I think I had McKinnon as number one. Then I had like a Panarin Pasternak before I had Drysital and I had Hellebuck on my heart ballot. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, "Is this controversial?" <laughs> people have trouble deciphering value whenever players are playing with other guys who have significant value. I think that just throws stuff out of whack, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and we, like you said, you, you said, what, you said it with Pasternak, we do it every year with Marchand. We do it every year with Bergeron. It's like who drives the bus there. And it's not quite the same thing. Cause, cause Uberdo and Barkov don't play together. But I think that's, I think that's something that, you know, because of the nature of the award and because of the nature of assessing value, people are, people just have, people just struggle with it. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't even know if I have a vote this year, but I'm. But if I do, I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, it is getting tougher and tougher every year because I feel like we have better assessments of value, and we're starting to see players who maybe wouldn't get Hart Trophy consideration in other years really start to shine because the other parts of the game besides points get more play. And I thought Drysaddle had a much better case than Huberdo does this year because Drysaddle led the league in points by a significant margin. So he had to be really bad at defense to not consider him as highly. <laughs> Huberto, he might lead the league in points right now. I don't, I think he was tied with McDavid. I don't know the exact order, but it's not by a significant amount. And the fact he plays on the second line, he has easier usage. He has the same poor defensive numbers. Those are issues that lessen his case for sure. And I don't think, it's a bad thing to consider Huberto. I don't think it's a wrong thing to have him on your ballot. I'm just a voter myself, and this is why I wouldn't have him. It's such a it's such a catch twenty two with with the way with the way voting works now because we have all we have so much more information now than they did ten years ago or yeah fifteen years ago or twenty years ago, and that's a gift. Like that 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 makes voting better. It makes it a more kind of holistic way to <clears throat> holistic way to do it, but also. It, it's tough whenever you're staring at your ballot and you're, and if you agonize this over is over it as much as the three of us clearly do, like you're like, man, wouldn't it be great if this were 40 years ago and you could just look at, okay, it's 
35 years ago. It's, again it's, 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 Gret, it's Gretzky. It's fine. He's yeah. got a bunch, or he's got a bunch of points or, you know, yeah. Chris Pronger has 60 points as a defenseman. Like we can just vote for him. Like that's, that's not, that's not the way it works anymore. That's the burden of knowing that there's all these different ways to assess value out there. Yeah. And even in terms of where we are in this modern society is we can go back and watch all the players shifts and really dig deeper in a way that you couldn't really do in past years. You were just going off what you're watching that night. And if a team had a lot more national attention, it was a lot easier to notice some players doing these small little things. And with Huberdo, it's not that he's bad defensively. It's just that he's a bit uninvolved defensively. And that leads to some poor numbers against. And one of the striking things that me and Shana found was when you see a goal against, you sort of like do a mental check of who is in the shot, who's at fault, mm-hmm. who's close to the puck. Huberto is generally the farthest player away from the puck and I think doesn't get as much blame because it's not directly his fault a lot of the time. But the fact he's always so far away from the play is it is a bad indication in and of itself. Yeah. The brutal part of, the, of these debates is that like people take this as you think that Jonathan Huberto stinks or something. That's and yeah. that's what's yeah. that's what's crazy. These always turn into like, oh, so you hate this guy or you think no. that player's crap. Like, you know, if I don't think Leon Dreisaitl's MVP two years ago, then I must hate Leon Dreisaitl. It's like, no, I actually yeah. just thought Artemi Panarin was more important to the yeah. Rangers or Nathan McKinnon, who had like a there was a big gap between the next best player. Mm-hmm. In terms of production and value on the abs that year. Yeah, you're like, sorry, you know? I, I have this I have this guy's fourth instead of first in the league. Like yeah. yeah. Wow. Really, really can't stand him, clearly. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna throw this one at you guys and we're gonna move on from the heart talk. Uh if you had to submit a ballot right now, who's like your top three? We don't have to go all five. Who's top three right now on the heart list for both of you? Do you have uh, a do, do you have an update coming, Dom? When when's your when's your? Uh, it's usually uh, monthly. <laughs> mm. um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's like you know. Again, and this is when you talk about because I had I haven't been able to look and agonize over this, but when I just mm-hmm. think off the top of my head, like Johnny Gaudreau is probably up there for me right now. I think he's putting a legitimate, and it's hard to kind of parse through who's the most valuable player on the flames slash that top line on most nights. Yeah. Um, but Johnny Gaudreau has 78 points in 59 games, um, putting together a really good season, very impactful. He's playing the best hockey of his career. I don't think he wins the heart, but I think he's up there. And I look at mm-hmm. Shesterkin from the Rangers and what he's doing right now. And uh, I want to say like, uh, I, 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 and okay. like Austin Matthews. I mean, yeah. Matthews, Matthews is, is my number one. I know I just, yeah. sl- I just slagged him for a while. I still struggle. Oh God, I struggle with the goalies for heart discussions every single yeah. year because they fundamentally, even a bad goalie has more value than, you know, an, an okay forward. That's just the nature. That's the nature of the thing. Like if we wanted to give it to a goalie every year, we could just by the, by the letter of the law. So I struggle and for as great but, as Justerkin has been. Like is I, he I, not I, helping I really the Rangers punch him. above their weight right now though? And is <laughs> oh, that yeah. not oh, showing yeah. how it, but is that not indicative of how important he is? Then? I think that like if you get rid of Igor Shosturkin, what do the Rangers look like? I right think now? that's how it. I think that's how it has to be, right? Where 
the gap between where they would be without him versus, I mean, this is a, this is a, a special season for Miguel Shastirk. And I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that was like Hellebuck a couple of years ago though. No, like is, if you I got rid of him, better than it's better Hellebuck's. than Hellebuck. But I mean, yeah. if you take Hellebuck out for a couple of games, what did the Jets look like that year? Terrible. They were fine, but Maybe. the Rangers, it's different level right now. Can, can uh, Shastirk in the power play for the Rangers just split the heart? Yeah. Whatever. For real. Power play Chris Kreider. Gets Weren't 25. they going through some power play problems early <laughs> in the season too? I remember Shayna doing a story like, "What's wrong with the Rangers' power play?" And she like went through all the video it's and so bizarre. And then they went supernova. Figured it out. Bizarre team. Um, Johnny Gaudreau should be getting the hype Huberto's getting. Mm-hmm. To me, I huh? think it's absurd that there's a skilled rush-oriented winger with a lot of assists. Doing who, who primary five-on-five assists. And yeah. who manages to play defense. Who, who, man, who manages defense. to have positive defensive impacts. And gets the toughest minutes every night. Mm-hmm. I know they, pers- were matching, I know they were matching up against the McKinnon line last night. Yeah. Johnny Gaudreau never – they used to have to shelter the Gaudreau-Monahan line. They were – they would score a bunch of goals, like in 2018-19, and that's a big difference is, yeah, Johnny had 99 points, but him and Monaghan lost the team games. Well, they used, to have, to, they used to have to shelter They used to have to shelter a Goudreau-Monaghan line, and now they don't have to shelter Goudreau. What's changed? Yeah, you know? so weird. Um, it's, like, it's really funny, just like personally, I never hear about how good Johnny Goudreau is. So it's like, it's like yeah. I, you know, I just, he's, he's not at the top of my list. All right, he, yeah. I don't, is, he, is he two right now? I think he might be two on my ballot. Um, I, I think he, I'd have him fourth just outside the top three i would go matthews then shesterkin and then number three i i feel like there's some voter fatigue on Connor mcdavid <laughs> and yeah. i think as the oilers aren't very good they and he hasn't been his usual dynamic self at five on five i i get it but i think he's still is he leading the league in points he's with he's tyler huberto i don't know what the actual leaderboard I think looks he's like now but leading he's, the league in points right now yes and he's Cleaned up his defensive game at five and five, and he's still Connor freaking McDavid. McDavid's gonna lose voter points because of his face and Instagram photos. That's my that's my theory. People are just gonna look at how miserable he is and be like, actually, I have him, I have him at number three. He's not the MVP this year. Yeah, I, I think I texted Sean the other day. Like, do you think Connor McDavid's okay? <laughs> he looks really he looks really sad all the time. Like, you look at pictures of him where. They're like smiling at an event, and it's like, oh man, he's down bad right now. But that's okay. I kind of want to move see on this now. What his I mean, Instagram we, profile? Yeah. He just looks like just looks bored. He looks like bored. I mean, he, he's probably like un like he's a very private person, obviously. So like smiling for pictures that are about to go out to like tell you thousands what, of people. Not too not too private to show for gambling websites. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Neither am I though. <laughs> All right. Moving on from the heart conversation, but I think that was a good one. I think sometimes, like you guys said, heart trophy and, you know, those kind of talks can just turn into like why X person sucks. Um, But that was great. Um, You know, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, we're one week away from the (laughs) try. Just leave that in. The what? The what? (laughs) The try bad line. (laughs) I've been in Alberta too long. Um. We're Josh one Safdie week. was my muse when I talked about <laughs> the trade deadline. Uncut jams. <laughs> oh, man. The trade deadline. <laughs> That's fine. You know what? We don't even that need to cut that out. Chris, just leave this all in. It's fine. I'm okay with that. 
uh, uncut jams. <laughs> just, it's fine. Hey, hey, We're one. Let's let's drop it. We are <laughs> one week away from the trade deadline. So you guys are going to be doing the trade grades again this year. You did them last mm-hmm. year. That's uh, is it going to be a busy day or are you guys going to be like waiting, 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 and then one guy, one domino is going to fall and then everyone's going to jump at everything at like two thirty-five p.m. I think the dam's going to break at some point. Yeah, it's, it'll happen around lunch. Because there's this really funny thing happening right now where like the insiders are going on TV and saying actually nobody's going to get moved at the deadline and everyone's just in agreement that nothing's going to happen. Pierre Dorian, the GM of the Ottawa Senators, said it's really quiet and the phones are ringing, which I thought was kind of funny because it's like who's calling the Sens for right now? I can't can't imagine why Pierre Dorian's not that busy. Like, I mean, Nick Paul's probably going to get some phone calls. I think he's... um, a great player. I obviously covered him and I put him on the Flames list. That's a really good third line depth player, good on the PK, but I can't imagine I mean, P- why Pierre, Pierre aren't Pierre busy Dorian's right phone, now. Pierre, Pierre Dorian's phone is not going to ring until Dubas calls and asks for Anton Forsberg, and that's going to be the answer to <laughs> Anyways, what are you guys thinking for the de- the trade? De- I almost did it again. <laughs> you guys are in my head. For the trade deadline, um, whether or not it's a busy day, is there like any trades that you're looking for? Any teams that you're particularly watching that you think are going to be interesting? Um, maybe I'll throw a more specific one at you guys. Like, I'm curious about the Rangers, um, you know, just talking about how good Shesterkin's been. Their power play has been really good. Is this the year that they use assets to try to go all in at the deadline or do they wait another year because their blue line's really young and they do have some issues at five on five. Um, do you think you see a lot from the Rangers or is that going to be a quieter year at the deadline for them? I think the big question is whether Larry Brooks can manifest JT Miller to the Rangers. Can we make that happen? Here, here's the thing. I feel like the Rangers have uh, Ben Sherratt written all over them. Oh. Oh. I think so. The flames, are, the flames are apparently in on that. Or not in on it. I don't know where that's at, but... Apparently, oh they're God. still interested. I mean, the Flames fixed Eric Goodbranson, so they a don't need Ben Chirot. A month yeah. ago, a month ago, I was writing a story about how to fix the Flames' third pair, and then I was like, uh-huh. "Oh, they played kind of good yesterday. Wait Maybe second, I should wait a second. And then they kept playing okay, and they kept playing okay. And Eric Goodbranson's having a career year. Nikita Zadorov looks very good. Like he mm-hmm. looks more comfortable with the puck. Um, he's you no. Know, knows when to jump in and when to stay back. He's more positionally aware. It's wild. And that's, I don't think Daryl Sutter is getting enough uh, attention in that. Well, so it's like, aspect, but it's like we've, but we've fixed, we fixed these guys. So we got to go out and get some other. It's a problem. Guy we can maybe tool overpaid with. problematic guy that we can try to turn into something. But don't like you think that? if like Zadorov and good Branson are playing this well, like isn't Sherrod like baseline a little bit better. Probably, maybe. I mean, yeah, I'd say he's I probably think that, baseline better than Eric Goodbranson. But like, if it's going to cost you, it, it would drive me. They crazy. want they want Jacob Peltier, who is like right. we just did a we did a prospect ranking, mm-hmm. uh, and he's number two on the list for me, just because Coronado is like a newer, shinier toy. Right. Um, but Jacob Peltier is a very good prospect. Uh, I don't know if you I mean, get rid of that for a rental defender who won't even crack your top four unless there's an injury. That's the thing. We're talking about a 6'7 defenseman right now, and you're going to give up your second best prospect I, for that? I feel like he 
might crack the top four. They might drop like Shillington They're down. They're not going to drop Shillington down. They they might. If they get uh, a shiny Ben Sherratt who can uh, shut down opposing teams' top players with cross checks uh, right. and great I mean, force. I mean, Haley, Haley, you have a you have a column that's going to drop on this soon. On it's already what out. The Flint, is it already out? Okay, I was I wasn't sure if it if, if it published. There you go. Mm. We have we've talked so much about what the Flames should do and how this is their year and how Gaudreau is going to hit you if like whatever. All these reasons that the Flames should go all in and also all these impediments that they have to making the right deal, right? They don't have mm-hmm. cap space. They don't necessarily want to move some of some of their prospects. There's there's even though they even though they, sh- even though they should do it. Yeah, even though they should do it, there's reasons there's reasons that it'll be tough. And if that's the hoop that they jump through, like if that's their all-in move, because yeah. they have like, because I mean, realistically, thing. realistically, True Living has one bullet left in the chamber. He can probably add one player based on cap, and money in, money out, and then assets. And if he uses that oh, on Ben, ben Sherratt, <gasps> who would be a problem if they didn't have three functioning pairs right now, right? If mm-hmm. if if they actually had defensive issues okay, and they were but trying I am to gonna, fix it, with ben I am Sherratt. gonna cut you off though. The problem with this right now, Oliver Shillington's out with a lower body injury, and now you have top four Michael Stone. And that's yeah. exactly why the Flames probably need to go out and get a defender. I don't think it needs to be Ben Schrott. Like, get a – I mean, I saw that Flyers are apparently looking for a second-round pick for Justin Braun. Second-round pick for second-round pick for Justin Braun. If you're that desperate, I think teams probably want to give up a third for Justin Braun right now, mm-hmm. not a second. Mm-hmm. But, like, I would rather see the Flames use – better assets for a third line center because they do not have one right now. They have been trying Dylan Dubé, um, you know, Trevor Lewis, Brad Richardson, Sean Monahan is not a top nine player anymore. He has three goals at five on five. But he makes Um, $6 million a year. Doesn't matter. (laughs) And I feel bad because he was a like he, you know, he's done everything they've asked. He's had the right attitude this year. Um, But the injuries just caught up with him. And he just can't skate. He can't do like he he doesn't look as confident when he's shooting. He doesn't have the line mates to get in the puck to shoot. So I, I honestly, and it, you don't say it as like an analyst and a journalist, but I feel bad, you know, saying things like they should buy out Sean Monahan because I think he's a good leader in that room. He's a quiet leader. He's important to that locker room. But he's a fourth line center right now. Um, and so the Flames are trying to have this shutdown line lately with uh, Blake Coleman, Andrew Mangiapane, and Trevor Lewis. Um, is that right? No, Blake Coleman, Michael Backlund, and Trevor Lewis. And then their third line right now, their wingers are Tyler Toffoli and Andrew Mangiapane, which looks like a pretty good secondary scoring line. But their center is Dylan Dubé, who's not very good on faceoffs. He's not very good in the defensive zone. He has six goals a season. Um, or it's, you know, they're trying to throw in Adam Rzichka up there who doesn't have that many pro games. And if you're going to spend something – like Jacob Peltier, and you're going to do something to clear cap and whatever it needs to be for a 3C over Ben Schrott, in my opinion. If you can do both, that's great. You're going all in. Awesome. But if it's if if your only move is Ben Schrott, I don't love it. Yeah. I don't like it. That'd be, that'd be frustrating. As someone, <clears throat> my only, like the only skin I have in the game really is that I love to see when teams actually try to win. Like that's something that doesn't happen enough in sports, something that doesn't happen enough in, in the NHL. Like I like seeing you know, teams just say like, screw it. Like this is, this is it. And then make moves that are 
uh, or that kind of speak speak to that urgency and 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 also are correct. And that's and that mm-hmm. that would be so frustrating to see the Flames after years of being like, are they gonna are they gonna do it? Like like what are what are they gonna add? Are they worth adding to whatever? If Sherat if Sherat's the if Sherat's the big deadline ad, that would be <laughs> I would be I'd be personally disappointed because I want them to be good. I want more good teams, and that would be a wasted opportunity from the Flames. Yeah, they there's so many good teams this year. I feel like it's the most stacked contending class in a while, and the Flames are probably right after the abs in the West, and they have basically the new version of Kyle Turris on their third line. Mm-hmm. Kyle Turris used to be good, and then he just completely fell off a cliff. Monahan, same deal. And I feel like it, like maybe there's a creative way to get out of that contract and add someone substantial to actually improve that center depth, because that's the one thing I think holding them back relative to other contenders. Definitely. Um, and Daryl Sutter is so big about building up the middle and probably, and that's why he went out and got, look, I think like Brad Richardson is completely fine as a fourth, fourth line center. Um, but his, I think he's been kind of nursing an injury. He can't really play more than a couple games a day, a couple games a, in a row. But anyways, we'll move on from the flames. Cause I did ask you guys about the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Do we think the Rangers are going to be doing anything at the deadline? Or is there another team that you guys are particularly interested in seeing what they're going to do? I like the Rangers' current strategy of let Shuster can win every game. I think it's working. Um, I think it's they can fun. stick to it. It's fun. Bold strategy. Let's see, let's, let's see if it works out. Sean, what are you thinking about the Penguins? Ron Hextall wants to keep his draft picks. Uh, That's shocking. But my question why? is why exactly why? why like if Genny Malkin's come back from knee surgery and is like a point per game player again, Sidney Crosby is still Sidney Crosby. Chris Letang's probably not getting as much love as he should for the season he's having. Mm-hmm. Then you've got a great fourth line. I know Brock McGinn's out right now, but that fourth line's mm-hmm. been excellent this season. Like you've got the foundation. You've got an amazing foundation. Is it a cup winning foundation? Maybe yes. if you make the right moves at the deadline. I think that was always going to be the issue with replacing Jim Rutherford with Ron Hextall is that say what you will about Rutherford. It's a maniac, right? Like he's not happy if he's not making trades that played to his advantage in Pittsburgh, because if nothing else, and I've, I've, I've written this a million times. So people have read the Pittsburgh site over the years are probably tired of hearing it, but like Jim Rutherford understood the gift. He knows what it means to have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang on a roster. And he, he, uh, he accepted the fact that there would be pain for that franchise down the line to, to, to bolster it in 16 and 17 and 18 and 19. And that's all you can do when you have players like that. Ron Hextall is on the other side of the spectrum. He's extremely cautious and there's a place for that, right? Like he, there is something to be said for the work he did in, in Philly, especially at the start but he's a fundamentally cautious person. And I don't know that that is necessarily the right mindset for that team right now, because as far as I'm concerned, and I'm saying this from a place of whatever, I I live where I live and I grew up where I grew up. So I'm biased to some extent, but I look at that team and I'm like, I'm like, there is, there is a spot on Evgeny Malkin's wing right now. Kasperi Kapanen is not working out. Jason Zucker's hurt. Wasn't there been... like a parade plan because he like drove the net last week? 
It was it, it was <laughs> wild. I was shocked to see it because like it's My it's dad. it's something. Yeah, wow, holy hell! Like Kasperi Kapanen didn't do the Gretzky curl when when he entered the zone, right? It was it was it was wild to witness. There is a space next to Malkin that needs to be filled because this team is better than people anticipated because Malkin's come back because Chris Letang looks like Chris Letang from 2016 because Tristan Jari doesn't look like the dude who almost single-handedly lost the playoff series last year on and on. There's all these reasons that the Penguins are better now than people thought they were going to be, but they do have that hole and they need to fill it. And Yoey wrote something about it. He's written about it extensively, like over the last week, like it's time for Hexall to do something. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's a call to Rutherford, who's apparently looking to move Brock Besser and all this, all this stuff. Like there's plenty of, if they want to get creative, they can do it. And I, and I, and, and I think, I think they should. The problem with some of those guys in Vancouver that have kind of come out as guys who can be moved instead of JT Miller. Cause I don't, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how you move JT Miller right now. The West is so, in my story today, I said the West is a bit of a mess outside of the Flames mm-hmm. and Avalanche. Um, when you just look at what all these teams are doing, the Wild have only won four games in their last 14. Um, St. Louis is having another moment where they're like, we need to find our identity again. And I mm-hmm. feel like <laughs> I always check in with JR's stuff. And I feel like, you know, the Blues go through these moments where they look legit and then they have a moment where it's like, well, we don't know who we are anymore. Uh, they're trying to probably add, not, they're probably trying not to add all thing. over the place, right? And it's like, yeah. where, I don't know where that's going to happen for them. They have 900 in cap. Yeah. Right? Um. I mean, the Flames have 700 uh, in deadline space, but, you know, teams teams get creative this time of year. Um, but you keep looking at the West. I mean, Vancouver and Dallas are, are right in the hunt because Vegas is barely holding on. They're losing ground in the West. Um, they don't look great. So I look at the Canucks and you think, do they sell anymore? Like, I do you try don't. to move JT Miller to the highest bidder or do you hold on to him and see how far you can get? Dom, what saw, do you think? I saw somewhere this morning no. that, that Vegas no. is I saw somewhere that Vegas' playoff <laughs> chances were at fifty six percent. Wait a second, who said that? That was me. I said that. Um I me and Sean talk about this a lot with the Predators almost every week of how they should just recognize what they are and sell. And yeah. with the Canucks, I think they have an interesting question with JT Miller because this will probably be the biggest package they'll ever be able to get for him. I don't think they're ready to contend. I don't think that's. I don't think that should be a controversial statement. But I assume some Canucks fan will be in my mentions later today. Like, what do you mean <laughs> they're not ready to contend? <laughs> no, Look at their record under Bruce Boudreau. That's a very chill group, Canucks the fans. The problem with going like eight, fifteen, and three in the opening couple of months of the season is that you went eighteen or eight, you know, fifteen <laughs> and three the first couple of months of the season, and you've got yeah, to you dig yourself just, out of that hole. And you can't just forget those moments because it wasn't all coaching. Some of that was on the players, and I think future wise, it's probably a better idea to trade JT Miller as exciting as this run has been. I think it'll be disappointing when they run into Colorado in the first round and get the tar kicked out of them in four games. Yeah. Cause it's the, cause it's the first round and not the second round. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they saw Colorado on the second round, then, you know, what, maybe <laughs> I'm stuck on that too, though. Cause I think, you know, there's nothing saying that JT Miller is going to fall off a cliff 
next season and be bad by the time he's a pending unrestricted free agent. But you would think that teams are going to be more willing to make a quote-unquote hockey trade and give up more for JT Miller right now. It's just a question of are the Canucks thinking, you know, we don't want to subtract because we're in it. Um, You know, I did see – and things are – they've been changing week to week with the way that that team's been going. But um, when I was doing my trade board, I had JT Miller on it. Um, I think he – I mean, the Flames cannot afford him. Uh, but I thought he was like the perfect when you think of who you want to fill that hole and put on a line with Toffoli and Mangiapane, you know, mm-hmm. if you can put him up the middle, that's, that would be amazing for the Calgary Flames. But, um, you know, I, I saw one report a couple of weeks ago that, you know, they probably want to move guys like, uh, Besser, Pearson, Garland. um, Garland. and Garland before they look at moving JT Miller. But the problem with those guys is I'm pretty sure all three of them are RFAs, um, and teams like the Flames can't really lock themselves into another arbitration or contract negotiation this season. Like teams are tight to the cap, and if they're looking for a rental, they're not looking for a guy that you have to negotiate a new contract with in the summer. Like, how many contenders can do that right now? I, right, and I feel like it should be the reverse. I feel like they should figure out what they're doing with Miller, and then take their cues from that. Because if you move him out, just just. Get rid of all those guys. Get rid of Besser. Get rid of Garland. Like, just yeah. do an actual, yeah. right? Like, go with like an, an actual, an actual rebuild. Don't move that. Don't move the ancillary pieces, and then maybe hold on to JT Miller because then, truly, what's the point in having JT Miller if you move out these other guys that are around him and you hold on to him for, you know, to run a skeleton crew for the for the last month of a playoff run? I don't understand that either. Yeah. He's been so central when you look at the big games that they've won, like it's JT Miller scoring the big goals or making the big plays. I mean, he's be, he's having an incredible season. How far can he take them or how much they, can they get from him is the question. And I don't really know if anyone has an answer right now. I think Mm-mm. it keeps changing. Yeah, he's been hotter than almost any player like last month. I think he's up at like a 90-point pace. And I think, again – Back to defense, I think his game has slipped in that regard the last couple years. And if you can get Miller a trade package for a 90-point player when he probably doesn't actually bring the value of a typical 90-point player, I think you have to try to consider that. Not to, And not to do a complete like lane shift here, but we're talking about teams that we're watching you know, over the next week. We can stay, whatever. We'll stay in the Pacific. I think the Ducks are really interesting. Like whatever they end up doing, they have so they have so many potential pieces, and you can quibble the value of, of a lot of those guys. Like, are, are we going to sit here and talk about how great Josh Manson is? Like, probably not. But they have they're out of it at this point, and they have a lot of potential pieces. Whether it's Lindholm, whether it's Ricardo Raquel, like there's four or five or six guys that are led by Lindholm, who's going to set the market. I think potentially if they if they decide to move him. They're really, really interesting to me, too. Yeah, definitely. Although it'll all come down to the Nick Delorier sweepstakes, I think. I can't believe I can't believe he hasn't been traded yet. I Rutherford was with the Penguins was a foot away from trading for him like a half dozen different times. Mm. Maybe it'll be Nick Delorier for JT Miller. Oh. <laughs> you never know. Canucks fans. 
<laughs> Turn off the podcast at this point if you're still here. I mean, that's almost as bad as trading Sammy Blaze in a pick for Babel Buchnevich, right? I was just, I was, <laughs> we I literally, talking about was literally just talking about that. Like the Rangers, oh. like boy, boy, it would be great if they had like a if it if if they had another scoring winger. Imagine, imagine just giving one of those guys away for free. Yeah. Mm. Well, well. Hey Dom, are you going to get locked out of your Twitter account on deadline day again? <laughs> Oh my god! I hope not. Should I be I, the chart girl? I've, I forgot. I can't even. That, that was. Uh, um, I, I think I, I'll make Sean do it because I think it'll be a lot funnier. No. Hi. <laughs> well, I didn't. That, I didn't say that. I thought it was funny because I just was man. like, "This is really mean," but this is what Dom had to say. About this <laughs> person. No, that was, I, was funny day. I mean, I, just, was, I, 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 just can't love, I think Sean happened. will be more mean about it, which is funnier. I can be more mean about it, and I can also pass it off as my own work, which I'm used to doing yeah. uh, every Friday morning on theathletic.com. Yeah, but NHL honestly, we have, we have Shayna, so no, I think she'll just heck. do the, do the charts. It's not funny because she's legit, you know? Yeah. Like Shayna could no, be gotta, doing that on her own. Find, it's not you gotta funny. Find a real, you got to find a real loser to tweet these charts out, baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm, your, I'm your guy. Yeah. Speaking of the deadline, uh, Ian and Sean are going to be hosting a live stream at 5 o'clock Eastern next Monday to recap the whole thing, and that'll go up as a podcast in the evening. Nice. All right, guys. So let's wrap up the show with a mailbag. I put out a call for questions this morning, and we've gotten a couple. Um, let's just start, since we were already talking about the deadline quite a bit, um, Irish hockey fan wants to know, what is one trade you want to see happen this season and why? <laughs> I want to see the Oilers trade for Luke Glendudding. I just think it'd be really funny if Ken Holland went went out and got one of his, one of his old war horses, and I was like, "All right, we're done." Secondary secondary forward depth achieved. Oh my god, that would be you know that uh, gif of Seth Rogen putting duct duct tape on a cracked wall. That's Luke <laughs> Glendening to the Oilers. What does Hasn't Sean like, what been does talking that about that all season? I'm yeah. I'm telling you, I'm trying to just I'm trying to speak this into existence. He's manifesting. It needs, it, it needs to happen, especially well, since we had Rasmus Ristolainen to the Oilers taken away from us mm-hmm. so heartlessly by Chuck Fletcher last week. That needed to happen, and and it's it's off the board now. Well, if Sean's going to pitch his trade that's been doing all year, I'm going to pitch mine, which I actually hope does not happen, but I feel like it is going to happen. It'll make me upset. It's Thomas Hurdle to the Boston Bruins. <laughs> There's never been a more perfect fit. And as soon as, as it happens, I'm going to hate it. But I think every it has week, to every week, if we don't have something good to say about the Bruins, it just we just find a way to circle back to hurdle hurdle to Boston. Just wait. Can they it. make hurdle that happen? Like, is that a legitimate thing? They I know Fluto, Fluto and uh, Corey Massasak did a story and looking at the trade fit. Uh, is that actually realistic? I don't know how much a hurdle trade is realistic. Period. At this point, it seems like they're pretty. I think they're really trying they're to. They're getting. Them. They're they're trying. They're trying to get something done, which is a bum, which is a bummer. What are they doing? <laughs> I let, we don't know. Set hurdle free. Let him <laughs> what, go to what a have, happier home. What have they been doing for the last four years? Like I don't know. They don't. Just I don't think there's that much. Locking yourselves into long term contracts. No. Yeah. So they should. <laughs> As I as I look at Logan Couture's cap friendly page, like, okay, yeah. How many more, more years do Carlson and Burns have on their contract? The bad ones, the bad ones, Vlasic. We talked about that last week in the power rankings. Vlasic yeah. has like four or five years left, and he's thirty six oh, no. or whatever. Oh yeah. no, yeah. really? Oh, yes. oh, that's tough. It only gets only gets worse. Yeah. Oh God. All right. Well, we'll see if that happens. Is Jake DeBrusque ever going to get moved? I don't know. 
<laughs> Does Jake DeBrusque exist? Is he is he a real person at this point? He may have just vanished yeah, over the last. I put him as on the first line. Yeah, and he got a hat they're trick. Pumping up, they're pumping up his trade value real good. Shining apples in Boston right now. Mm-hmm. Just move him. I what you, Haley? You were trying to you were trying to put him in Calgary last. You know week, what? You? Yeah, I did a, a list of players that you know could realistically fit for the Flames, and I kind of was drawing some comparisons between um, Sam Bennett and Jake DeBrusque, just in the sense that like this is a player who might just need a change of scenery to pop. Um, everyone mm-hmm. was so quick to say Sam Bennett was done and then he goes to a team where he has a legitimate line mate line mates um and he starts producing and you know mm-hmm. I think Dom had an interesting stat that he pulled up about DeBrusque that he leads the Bruins in high danger passing like mm-hmm. passes into the slot so he's creating chances um but he's creating chances to like a Bruins third or fourth liner right yeah. um and that was one of the things that went wrong for Someone, I mean, someone like Sam Bennett, someone like Johnny Gaudreau two years ago, he led the league in high danger um, slot passes, but he was passing to Sean Monaghan who, you know, couldn't hit the net. Um, so would Jake DeBrusque actually be a difference maker on a team where he had line mates who could actually score and get him the puck? Yeah, probably. So I was interested, but I just don't know if the Flames need another skilled mm-hmm. winger. They need a center. So I think a big issue for Boston is that, and this is something you see, especially when you have a team that's good that has a situation like they do with Jake DeBrusque, where he's a he's a good player that wants out, and all signs have pointed that for whatever five years it feels like at this point. They're they're an Eastern Conference contender. Like if you're Boston, and this is. Totally hypothetical, but if you're Boston and Ron Hextall calls and says like, "Hey, what do you what do you want, what do you want for Jake DeBrusque? Like, you want to do you want to move Jake DeBrusque to the Penguins? Like, Eastern Conference contenders want players like Jake DeBrusque. But if you're Boston, like, what what are you gonna do? You're gonna you're gonna make your chief competition stronger, a little bit better. I don't, yeah. I don't. So so you automatic and that cuts out how many teams, right? And then you look at the West, and there's only there's only six good teams in the first place and some of them don't have cap and some of them don't need wingers. So it becomes really, really complicated. I'm sorry. Can you guys hear my dog snoring right now? No, no. it's really loud. Anyways, no, Dom, did you have an ad? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I liked your Sam Bennett comparison. I'm just wondering, cause Sam Bennett went to Florida. He got to play with someone like really, really good on the second line. Does, does Calgary have someone as good as Jonathan Huberto that they can put to breast with? <laughs> You can't, you can't touch that line. Come on. You're talking about Andrew Maggiapane, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Olympian Andrew Maggiapane. He was making a case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had more goals than anyone at that point in the season. So whatever. Just leave it alone. Listen, me and Sean um, had Zach Hyman on the team. It's fine. <laughs> we we got really? we we got to we got to take down those roster projections, man. Because we never we never did the final one. We I never feel did like fi- Tom Wilson would have made that team. Somehow. Yeah, our final we we cut Hyman because he had a bad week, and then we put on Tom Wilson, which absolutely would have happened. We were people were like trying to think like we're gonna galaxy brain Tom Wilson on this team. It's like no, it's I not that tough. he might little <laughs> he literally might be on the team. <laughs> I dude, I I sat. At dinner with Dom in Toronto in like November or, or, or December or whenever that was. And I was like, 
I was like, I think this is going to happen. And like the, the look on yeah. the look on his face, like as you came to terms with it over the course of 10 minutes, it was just like, ah, dude, this is, yeah, this my- is very real. <laughs> In my defense, I was wasted. <laughs> what are you talking what? about? Was that that dinner that everyone had on the Monday when I flew in on the Wednesday? And I was like, oh, cool. (laughs) Oh, nice. I think I told LeBron that I was like, you know, I got to the city like less than 48 hours after. He's like, oh, sorry. It was a great night. I'm like, yeah, I heard. I heard. Whose fault was that? I think that's – you should have come down on the Monday. Pierre LeBron. Is this thing on? How dare you talk about Pierre Lebrun that way? The sweetest angel. We had a very lovely chat that dinner. And if you got there 48 hours earlier, you could have been a part of it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was a blast. Um, All right. We've got a question from Luke Morris. Uh, What is more likely, Tampa winning the cup for a third year in a row or a fourth consecutive Stanley Cup final appearance for a team with an interim head coach? Panthers have an interim head coach. Okay. Um, Last year was Dom Ducharme. So <laughs> def- definitely the interim coach then. <laughs> it's probably the interim coach, right? Yeah. It's more likely Lightning, that Florida I, like, makes it to the – it's basically we're saying Lightning it's more likely more that likely the Panthers to... make it to the final or Tampa winning a third straight. Well, it's more likely Panthers mm-hmm. win a cup over Tampa winning a cup. So if you do the math there, I think you got to go with interim All coach. All right. Thanks for your question, Luke. Next question from Emily. <laughs> I, all so right, Tam- like Tampa, Tampa's <laughs> Tampa's scuffling a little bit in the, in the last couple of weeks too. Not that it matters; it's March. They'll find yeah. some way to they'll find some way to trade for. I wrote know, this in my or whatever. <laughs> I wrote this in my story, and we did mention uh, Jacob Chikrin is hurt. Um, mm-hmm. He's getting an MRI. He flew back to Arizona. Andrew Cops also out too. Um, he missed time from a concussion earlier. Uh, in the month, and he's out again. So those are two kind of players who were expected to be. Maybe move, maybe shopped at the deadline who are out. So that's something to watch for. And that we didn't mention earlier. Um, what were you saying, Sean? I just love oh, no, I, I was, I mean, cop, I mean, cop, we're, we're talking about Tampa. We had cop. Right. And, yes. I mean, me and me and Dom okay. were trying to figure out whether it was more likely, like who feels more like a Tampa Bay Lightning third liner? Is it Andrew Cop or is it, or is it, or is it Kelly Yarncroc? I don't know, but I, it's. Paul Stasby. Feels like, feels like they're going to go get, they're going to go get one of those guys. Yeah, I like Yarncroft for the Flames. Every Keep team should enough. like Cal. He's he's been garbage this year for the Kraken, but I'm I'm willing. Yeah, to but re- is that I'm, because I, it's a Kraken? Been. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's the Dave Haxtell effect. He's the most like the most like neutrally good player over the last over the last five years. He's had the like most this, mid player. He's had wasn't the same. There t- mm-hmm. Wasn't there a Twitter thread being like, it's really hard to find a player who is like accurately yep. rated. People are either overrated, underrated. The perfectly rated player is Kelly Yarncroc. He's yeah. just good, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's pretty good." No, nope, that was my he's boy, most average player. That was my boy, Adam Gratz from from NBC. He uh, he he posted the prompt, and after much deliberation, he came he came down with uh, Kelly Yarncroc as the answer, which is correct. Yeah. Are we not talking about how? much Seattle messed up enough or is this just like classic like is this what an expansion team supposed to look like or did they just completely butcher things from the coach to the players that they selected etc etc I think the better question might be whether we tackled that debate like that portion of the the discourse too early in the season because I know I know I know Kerr's posted did they did they use too much analytics 
Yeah, which is not the. I mean, it's, it's not it, the right prompt because it you're maybe just is piss the right way off. to frame it because it's going to piss people off. But I feel like we can maybe have that discussion again. But they're so they're so bad. That, like I think it's just it's just out of sight, out of mind. Like that's where we are in the season, right? Where those teams they don't exist anymore. We're done. Ta- we're done talking about the Senators. And, well, it's wild to me because you know I think Ron Francis held his cards too long and was asking for too much, and now those players that people teams we're trying to keep mm-hmm. are not going to go for that much. You're not getting a first and a third for Mark Giordano right now. You, you're going to get 60 you're not. games. Of, you're you're going to get 60 games of Mark Giordano while driving his price down significantly. Like, yeah. Oops, like they could have, the flames probably would have, and I don't know this. I'm just, you know, I think the price was too high for the flames to protect geo in the summer. And a, Reportedly, the price was at least a first and a third round pick. You are not getting that for Geo right now at the deadline. You're getting like a, a second, and you probably have to retain salary because people can't afford his six plus cap hit right now. Like the like that is that is just poor asset management. You thanks had- a lot, Grubauer. You know, yeah, it's all his Our fault. People- oh, I mean, I feel like you can make a case that the team is extremely demoralized early on from their goalie letting <laughs> this is in great. this is great i knew goal. it was all gonna come back to groove hour being being garbage with, with with you i knew that was gonna happen I, i'm not i watched so many seattle games the, wow why because i bet on the stupid <laughs> I know, team i know um, and it was demoralizing to me as someone with money on seattle and i can <laughs> see it i can see it in the eyes of these players faces obviously i'm just a a master psychologist here but honestly like it was amazing how often they let in the first goal in the first shot. Yep. Absolutely terrible goal, by the way. Like completely stoppable shot by an NHL goalie. I love how uh, I love how Be Data- quiet. Let him finish. No. Wait Dom, a second. No, no, let him finish. Data Genius no. becomes Mr. Body Language yeah. on the, <laughs> as soon as there's as soon as there's money on the line. Oh man, look at the way he slumped on the bench. <laughs> that was Dom, that was the joke. But honestly, like it was it was unreal. How often that would happen, and then the minute Seattle gained any momentum whatsoever, Grubauer let in another soft goal, <laughs> and they were down again. Like it was amazing yeah. to have that. And then when they got Yanni Gord back, they had they played well for a little bit, and then Grubauer kept doing Grubauer things. They had some injuries, and then they are the team they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, I You're wonder right. how much of that is the psychology of being on a terrible expansion team. I mean, um, and like Brandon Tanev has done like, you know, he tears his ACL done for the season. That was like your offensive guy, which well, is probably have, an issue. That is an uh, issue. Yeah, when you're building out your roster. I'm a, a huge fan, but probably two, not your two prong, two prong issue there. <laughs> yeah. I know there was, there was that stretch wherever I think Drieger had a shutout or something. And then he came out the next game and immediately got hurt. That's what. That's when it was yeah. like, oh, all right, this isn't. This is. This isn't going to work the way that they want. It's been a bit of. It's been a yeah. bit of a mess. Yes. yes. Um. But yeah, I. The question I have is, do we think Giordano or Sherratt will fetch more at the deadline? <laughs> I mean, see, that's crazy to me. Like, wouldn't you rather have Mark Giordano than Ben Sherratt? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like a million times. To- like this is a man. Like who- he's still like worth. He can still be a top pair D. But imagine Geo on like your second pair. Like that's a man who can actually Defend. shut down yeah. 
top lines. Yeah. I, like he's still got it. He's still good. Has leadership and intangibles and experience. Yeah. Oh my but God. Ben Sherratt has played a lot of minutes with Shea Weber and Dustin Bufflin Ugh. and has been spoon-fed oh minutes on an awful team. We're going to see him so. get – he's going to get more than Giordano. He's going to get more than Hampus Lindholm. Like he's 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 the – it's going to happen. the Flames are going to be the ones to do it. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. The only problem is he never played for Daryl, so maybe he, maybe that, that works that works against them. Yeah. Has he? We'll <laughs> no, no. I was just no, trying to think, myself. like, does that work against him? Like, I don't know. I think – Daryl Sutter is such a lightning rod in the sense that there's players in the league who either played for him or have heard from guys who played for him. And it's like, yeah, I think that's a fit or it's God, no, I will not go play for Calgary. And I think, um, you know, you never want to make it seem like you're making excuses for a general manager who (laughs) has shown that he cannot, uh, you know, actually swing certain deals. But I do think that is probably something that Brad Tree Living has been dealing with in the last uh, a couple of years, for, this guy's for, being I like. For yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan. I like, like Daryl a lot, but I like I like getting yelled at. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Anyways, question: We did touch us a little bit uh, with Hurdle, but we did get a question. Um, Sharks management is adamant, brackets and stupid, about not wanting to rebuild. Assuming Hurdle wants to make the playoffs again as his career enforces a trade, what sort of non-rebuild return can the Sharks get? Why do you want a non-rebuild return? <laughs> that team should rebuild. That team should rebuild. And but he's saying the Sharks don't I... want to rebuild. So if they want to make it a hockey trade, is there like an actual player that they should try to get? Jake DeBrusque. I was just going to say DeBrusque. That's the obvious. That's it's, DeBrusque in a first? DeBrusque in a first. You send him to the Western Conference. You send him to a non-contender. You know, you can get Doug a Wilson. Role can there. F- Doug Wilson can feel good about adding up about adding a player who's you know twenty six or, or or whoever old he is. Yeah. Like twenty three or twenty four. Oh God, really? Yeah. I feel like he's been he, around forever. I think he's he made the NHL actually. Young. I could well, be wrong. he was I, in, he's the, in the same draft. He's in ninety four, uh, isn't he? He was in the Barzell Shillington. Oh, twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the. He's, whoa! He's in the, uh, <laughs> whoa! He's well, so he was, old. <laughs> he was in the Barzell Shillington tweet draft. And he oh, was the good no. part of it. <laughs> yeah. He was the only good part of that. Uh, one question uh, from Kevin. Which arena has the best food in the NHL? It's that's, been that's so long. I, I haven't. I haven't. It's been so long since I've gone to, since I've gone to games. They, they do barbecue in Raleigh a lot, which is great. Um, I, was always, I was always a big fan of that. Everyone likes to talk about the Montreal hot dogs, which is... They're not that good. Which is played out. I mean, I, I don't think they're fine. I think the Montreal... It's like Montreal... Everyone wants to talk about the Montreal hot dogs, and everyone wants to talk about walking across the Flames press box. It's not that scary. The hot dogs aren't that good. My my personal Stop favorite it. press box offering is RC Cola in the PPG Paints Arena press box. Okay. When Oof. I was in Pittsburgh, when I was in Pittsburgh, I texted Sean being like, what is RC Cola? Like, I want a drink and I don't know what this is. And I'm scared. It's cola. <laughs> He's it's like, like, Pepsi. It's like Pepsi, it's like but worse, pet. I think, is the way I would put it. Yeah. It's, I've, I've yeah, talked There's about like a bunch of scouts watching me like stare at the fridge being like, oh, what is yeah, what are these options? It's just a it's it's a weird contract with the with the uh, for the beverage rights. So you have RC Cola and Diet Right and Snapple and Dr Pepper and other goofy stuff like that. Isn't Dr Pepper a Pepsi product? No, interesting. It never is. 
There was um, Nashville's press box food is interesting. They have like snacks in intermission. I think there was like gumbo at intermission one day. I was like, what? We used to always have Halloween candy in, in DC too. That was always great. You just hammer some, yeah, they hammer some Reese's cups and stuff. Yeah. When uh, Dom and I, I was at the Leafs game when the Flames were in town and Dom and I spent a significant amount of time looking for a food vendor that we could not find. Did oh, you ever Alouette. find it? Alouette? I did. Um, yeah, so they used to, they have an Alouette where I used to live in Liberty Village, um, and they have an unreal burger, an unreal chicken sandwich, and none of those things were on the menu at uh, Scotiabank Arena. So that was so a shame. where do you like, live? days trying to find it. Where do you live now? Give your, give your address and your Don't, apartment. don't. Dom and I used to live down the street from each other, but we didn't speak. Well, there was it's one probably, time. It's probably for the best. We don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's not So one time I was walking friendly. my dog and I ran into Haley and she was walking Bono with the most panicked look in her eyes because Bono had the poops. And Bono, had, Bono did. Bono yes. did. Bono had the yes. poops, just to be clear. And this girl was struggling for her life to deal with this. Because I had two dogs. There was two of them. So one's pulling me. The other one's like standing there having the most embarrassing crap on the side of the road. And like Dom's walking by with his like huskies walking all nice beside him, like well-trained. And Bono's like having doing, a real problem. He's doing, he's doing spin <laughs> like, art on the, on the grass. Well, in my mind, I was like, oh my God, like we work together, but I don't know him that well. And he's just going to judge me in my like. Crappy little dog. I, He's not I got crappy. Some, I got some news literally. for you. He pro- he probably did. <laughs> it's like, this is so embarrassing. At the, at the time, I said, "Oh, poor girl." And looking back now, I say, "What a what a loser." <laughs> <laughs> it was a real. It was right out front of my apartment building. It's like, hey, <laughs> don't. In my mind, I was like, "Bono, hurry up, hurry up, so we can turn around." I don't want to have to have this conversation right now. Anyways, my, with my weird little coworker. <laughs> my weird little dog <laughs> who's snoring beside me. All right, yeah. final question before we're done for the day. All right, this question comes from Emily. If you were able to create an award, what would it be and who would win it this year? I would give an award for most assists so we could stop talking about Jonathan Hubert over the <laughs> <laughs> Call it the Gretzky. <laughs> oh. Sean? <laughs> oh, man. I've... I, that's a that's a tough act to follow. That was really good. I mean, defensive defenseman is the obvious yeah. one, right? Where, yeah. where where we can just we can just cut the cut the bull and find and not just say that it's going to kill McCarr because he's going to have a hundred points yeah. or whatever. Give Chris. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who would get that deserves. this year. Just kidding. <sighs> For the record, I think Sean's answer is the actual answer I have, and I think that's an award they should have. Yes. Um, do you have a Do you have a name like straight away on that? Because I, I don't. Defensive defenseman this year. Uh, what's What's the first name? The Langway guy. I don't know. He won the South. Oh, everyone. The, everyone always Morris. wants to call. Everyone always wants to call it the Rod Langway Award. Yeah, but yeah. I'm I'm talking about like this year. Is Is there someone who stands out for you? Because I I haven't really dug into that. We did the story last year about players with the best defensive impact, and I think Tanev was number one. Heiskanen was up there. Um, yeah. Wasn't there someone on Florida who was Uyghur? Yeah, Uyghur had a good defense. Uyghur, impact, McAvoy, but that was, yeah, Slavin. It's the anti Morgan Riley award this season. Yeah, but you Did could we call not it talk about Charlie McAvoy enough, or is really everyone just about. like the Bruins are just good and that's it? I don't that's know. Don't we? Hey, you, me, and Don talk about Charlie McAvoy too much. I feel yeah. like almost don't we? Yeah. I feel like we talk Probably, about him every week. But... Maybe that's just me and Ian. Yeah. 
We don't no. talk about it anymore. You know why? Because Boston plays in America. You guys don't care. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's why the They're Tuesday talking about show better players from Canada. <laughs> like, like, Do you want to uh, end with an anthem? Like Eric Goodbranson. No. Hey, I told like if, if Chris if Chris wants to pipe in the anthem from a, from a couple weeks ago that he, I'll Venmo you twenty dollars if you do the anthem right now. Do we have Venmo in? Canada? I'm not doing I'm not doing that because someone's gonna freak out on me for being disrespectful to it. I'm telling you, like I like it was already traumatic enough for me to for me to have to do that. I don't need to get yelled at by some trucker convoy freak for for oh, disrespecting right. the Canadian anthem. Uh, all right, well. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, but no, seriously, Don, this was great. Sean, this was great. Yeah. Um, Ian should disappear for no reason more often. <laughs> <laughs> From the earth? Wait <laughs> <Jeez>. a second. <laughs> Aggressive. I'm just kidding. Every time I miss a show, he's like throwing like these little law balls to make fun of me. So it's fine. He's not going to listen this far into the podcast and the people who did listen to the entire show, they get to appreciate that. I did or notice you weren't. I did I'm notice really you weren't on the podcast for most of February. What was going on for you at that point? Uh, the Olympics. I don't know if you knew. <laughs> Whatever happened with that. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Thanks everybody for listening to the Athletic Hockey Show. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.